When you think of criminals on the run during the 1920s and 30s, you may think of some of the fugitives of the past, such as John Dillinger, Babyface Nelson, and maybe even the infamous pair of Bonnie and Clyde. Sometimes, we as people romanticize the whole idea of being on the run, evading police at every turn. The entertainment world has succeeded in callousing our minds into thinking that it was an exciting era full of danger and suspense at every corner. Sadly, we do not remind ourselves of the victims of these criminals often enough. Most go on leaving a trail of blood and death, and so many ignore that part, only choosing to remember the exciting parts. When you think of California history during such an era, one would assume that we would not have too many stories in comparison to the Dillingers and the Bonnie and Clydes of that time period, or do we? Well, I have a story for you, one of deception and murder. This is a true story, one that would go on to make nationwide headlines, and one that would seal the fate of one Willard Shannon. A story that after listening to, you won't soon forget. I am your host, Jamie Rubio, and this is Stories of the Forgotten. Willard Shannon, a.k.a. Willard Mead, a.k.a. Willard Webster, a.k.a. Walter Riley, was given up at birth and placed in a foster home at the age of four months old. Willard had a rough start from the very beginning. As a young man, he served time in Eastern State Penitentiary and eventually was moved to Folsom Prison, where he was eventually released in 1926. He knew only how to make a living the wrong way, and became institutionalized in the worst way. Fixated on a scheme that would bring him great fortune, Shannon decided that he would set his sights on robbing unsuspecting men in the Northern California region. It took him several weeks to plan, but Shannon eventually convinced an automobile salesman by the name of Harold Lodge to travel up with him to Amador County in order to purchase a vehicle from him. Now, perhaps this was under the ruse of showing Lodge Shannon's alleged mine that he supposedly owned. But Shannon lured Lodge up to the area known as Defender, which is the present-day location of Pioneer, California, where he brutally murdered him. Now, there were two different stories printed in the paper in regards to where Lodge was killed. One story said that Shannon stated he and two other friends, of course unidentified, planned to rob Lodge at his home in Stockton. They shot Lodge in Lodge's own garage and then drove him to the mountains of Amador County to dispose of his body. It's interesting to say so because the eyewitness account stated they saw Lodge arriving to Jackson in his car and leaving with Shannon going towards the mountains. So the idea that they shot him in Stockton is unlikely. It seems that either Lodge caught him in a lie once they were up there in Defender, or Shannon felt it was better to dispose of Lodge altogether once he had him in a desolate area and once he had Lodge's car. Nevertheless, Shannon shot Lodge and disposed of his body under the cover of the thick brush and deep wilderness 
again in the vicinity of Pioneer. At that point in time, the area was known as Defender, and it was close to the Defender Mine. In fact, Lodge's shoes and socks were found near one of the abandoned mines in the area. It took dozens of men searching the area before some local boys discovered Lodge's body, and the cause of death was then determined. On December 31, 1926, Willard Shannon had killed and disposed of Harold Lodge's body. Shannon then decided to take on the persona of Harold Lodge himself. Once he was departing the area alone, he then told a resident of Jackson that his name was now Harold Lodge. It was only after giving the description of the man the witness saw that authorities determined it was actually Willard, a.k.a. Red, Shannon, not Lodge, that the witness had spoke to. At one point, the Lincoln that Shannon had stolen from Lodge was mired in the mud at Jackson Point, and a young teamster was called to aid in the removal of the vehicle from the mud. The witness claimed that Shannon was alone. Once the vehicle was released from the muddy dirt, Shannon traveled down Highway 49 headed for Sonora. He stopped to purchase some merchandise using Harold Lodge's checkbook. When he learned that the roads past Sonora were blocked due to weather conditions and mud, he returned to Sonora and booked a room at the Hotel Victoria, which is now the Sonora Inn. In order to pay for his room, Shannon signed over to the hotel Harold Lodge's Christmas bonus check that was in his wallet. Shannon traveled through Yosemite and down into Southern California, evading police the entire time. During the manhunt for Shannon, the newspapers mentioned that the main highways were being canvassed by deputies armed with machine guns, ordered from Sheriff Lucat and other law enforcement throughout the state. According to newspaper archives, Shannon made it to his aunt's home in Santa Maria and also to visit a sister in Lompoc. He even gave his aunt a ride home where he slept over for the night. Before leaving again the next day, he told her he was going to Oakland but that was not the case. He then went to the salesroom of another automobile dealership. He had planned to ditch Lodge's car and get himself another one. According to the man who may have been Shannon's next victim, John Ross, Shannon tried to convince him he was a wealthy miner with plenty of money as well. He also admitted he was coming into more fortune in the coming weeks and that his money was in the form of gold so that he just wanted to take a test drive on a new Chrysler. He explained he had no intention of purchasing a vehicle that day and that he would have to return to get it, but was adamant he wanted to take it for a spin. The salesman had suspicions about Shannon, and it was obvious Shannon caught on to it. Finally, Shannon retreated in a hurry. Throughout his various travels, Shannon would leave telegrams in Harold Lodge's name even going so far as to send telegrams to Lodge's wife, hoping to avoid the authorities' suspicion of whether or not Harold Lodge was in fact missing, or worse, dead. He couldn't do that for long, though, since eventually Lodge's body was found. In a last-ditch effort to rid his ties to Lodge, Shannon sent a telegram at the Western Union, stopped to ask two Boy Scouts for directions to Los Angeles, and ditched Lodge's car in Paso Robles. 
Boarding a train to Chicago, Shannon escaped out of California without one hitch and laid in hiding for several days. He then traveled to Butte, Montana, and then on to Salt Lake City, Utah, around January 29, 1927. It was in Salt Lake City that he met an architect by the name of Walter R. Ware. Shannon was now completely penniless, so he begged Ware for a job at his company. While he was there, Shannon stole checks from Ware's office and attempted to purchase a ticket to Los Angeles. The ticket agent grew suspicious when Shannon asked if he could write him a check. The police were then called and Shannon was arrested upon boarding the train. Once Sheriff Lucott of Amador County learned that Shannon was being held in Salt Lake City on charges of forgery under the alias Walter Riley, he traveled to Salt Lake City to make sure this was the right man he was hunting for. As soon as he got there, it was confirmed. Walter Riley was in fact the murderer, Willard Shannon, and Sheriff Lucott was determined to bring him back to Amador County to face the consequences for the crime Shannon had committed. Once in Utah, the sheriff had Shannon extradited over to California, where the trial for the murder of Harold Lodge began. While on trial, Shannon had admitted that he was involved in the death of Lodge. He also claimed two other accomplices were the real murderers, and he was just another witness. He refused to reveal the names of these two accomplices, though, and of course no one bought his story. According to the papers, the trial was one of the quickest of record at the time in the state of California, starting on a Monday and ending three days later. The jury was out for a whole 30 minutes before returning with a unanimous verdict. On March 23, 1927, at approximately 5.15 p.m., Shannon was found guilty of murder in the first degree, and Judge Bastini ordered that he be hung until dead. The night before his execution, Shannon requested that his last meal be toast, strawberries, and chocolate. He also requested a phonograph to play the Shannon Quartet song, The Sidewalks of New York, over and over, while he sat impatiently smoking cigarettes, awaiting his doom. After three failed attempts of appealing the verdict, inmate 14663 was hanged on May 5th, 1928 at 10.02 a.m. at Folsom Prison. It took Shannon 10 minutes to die, and he was pronounced dead at exactly 10.12 a.m. The victim, Harold W. Lodge, who suffered a terrible death at the hands of Willard Red Shannon, was laid to rest at the Woodbridge Cemetery in Woodbridge, California. The internment for Harold was on January 10, 1927. Services prior to that were held in Stockton with Leroy Johnson, a chaplain for the Carl Ross Post of the American Legion, performing the service. Also, a practitioner of Christian science was there by the name of William Yarnold, who spoke as well. The pallbearers were fellow members of the American Legion. Harold was a native of Iowa. He served during World War I, having enlisted in the 23rd Engineers in 1917. He later settled in Stockton as an automobile salesman. Harold was only 29 years of age at the time of his death. His wife, Avis, was forced to raise two children on her own. His son, Harold Lodge Jr., and his daughter, Lois, moved to Woodbridge in 1928. 
Upon my investigating, I learned that his son Harold went on to lead a productive and interesting life. Avis remarried a man by the name of Fred Bergstuller of Lodi. Harold Jr. attended high school and graduated from Lodi High School in 1943. He then served in the Army Air Corps during World War II, returning to Stockton after the war. Later, he moved out to Minnesota and on to Texas, where he worked as a service representative for a white equipment company in the late 1950s. He enjoyed hunting and fishing, according to his obituary. Sadly, at just the age of 63, after an unexpected illness, Harold Lodge Jr. passed away on January 30, 1988. He was then buried next to his father. Although I'm sure that Harold Lodge's family was never the same after his death, I would hope that his wife found some sense of closure after Shannon's execution. The newspapers claimed that once Shannon had been apprehended in Salt Lake City, that Lodge's wife was ecstatic claiming it had been so difficult for her knowing he had gotten away with murder and continued to evade the police for so long. I hope that wherever Harold Lodge's family is today, that they were able to keep his memory alive and hold it dear to their hearts, not allowing Shannon to rob them of that too. To read an in-depth account of Willard Shannon's time in Folsom Prison, as well as his execution, please check out the book Folsom's 93 by my friend, April Moore. Thank you for listening.